0: Welcome to the meditation ward. My name is Nadia Ward. I'm really excited to bring you this podcast where I talk to interesting people who also happen to be meditators. We talk about their stories, the way they got into meditation and any tips or tools they'd like to share with you. Each week, there's a second episode, a guided meditation that we hope you'll enjoy. If you would like to start your own meditation practice, we would love you to check out our course, Exploring Meditation, a seven week course designed by me, Nadia. Each week you learn new tips and tools and how to create your own personal meditation practice that works for you. Follow us at The Meditation Ward on Instagram or go to the website, themeditationward.com. Sign up for our emails and check out our courses. And now, to the episode hi everybody my name is nadia and i am really excited to have rachel kaufman on the show with us today rachel is a certified reflexologist reiki master life coach and author of her badass story too she primarily works with middle-aged professional parents to help find more empowerment calmness and harmony in their lives she's a mother of a premature baby who is now about 12 years old, and a former international public health professional. Rachel has faced many personal and professional challenges over the years, and she practices what she teaches to help her clients make their way through major life shifts with clarity and calmness. Thank you for being here with us, Rachel.
1: Thanks for having me, Nadia.
0: Yeah. So it, your like bio kind of said that your um, child is 12 now. Is that still correct?
1: Yes, he is 12. He is at his second year of summer camp right now. So oh, get a little break from the 12-year-old.
0: <laughs> yeah, you keep, so you keep your bio up to date every year. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Cool. Well, um, where are you located?
1: I'm in Maryland in a suburb of D.C. called Potomac. And it's Potomac, Rockville, Bethesda. It's kind of interchangeable. If yeah, have often heard of those those
0: cities, yeah. Yeah. I've heard of Potomac, but I am from Virginia, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and tell me a little bit about your coaching and what you do, reflexology. Mm -hmm. Give me a little DL about what you are up to over there.
1: Yeah, so I began learning Reiki in uh, early 2001 or 2000, 2001, and first learned it for myself. And then I realized, oh, I'd like to work with other people. So I started seeing clients, working at some wellness centers. And one of those centers, um, the owner, who was a um, naturopathic doctor, she also taught reflexology through the Baltimore School of Reflexology. And she's like, you know, it'd be a great combination if you learned to do reflexology and Reiki, because not a lot of people do both. Um, And so I took her program and graduated and I think it was about 2008, became a certified reflexologist and, And just sort of the, the, the coaching crept into my life slowly. I knew a lot of coaches, a good friend of mine, who's an artist and a life coach and, um, um, cranial sacral therapist, she and I, I've known her since I was a teenager and I would go to some coaching meetings with her. And I just felt like it started to dawn on me. That was the missing piece where I would work on people and do Reiki reflexology, but I couldn't really give them the whole container of, you know, what's going on off the table, off, you know, off the mat, so to speak. So um, I went to eventually went to um, Newfield network training, coaching training program. And, and that was a couple of years ago, I graduated and became a life coach. So I integrate and I changed the name of my business from healing vibes to integrated healing vibes um, to integrate, you know, the, how do you integrate, like, the coaching and the healing um in a way that people understand the results and you know understand how amazing it is <laughs> so yeah. um then i created my logo which is behind me the infinity sign with the coaching on one side and the healing on the other yeah. so that's like a quick summary is that
0: yeah that sounds great okay. it's, it sounds like it. it's like you know people can heal but if they don't really have clear views of maybe how they'd like to step forward, then they might still be kind of stuck. Is that right? A lot of it's about
1: getting unstuck, you know, even with, with everything, with all this movement of energy, you know, the key, the Chi, the Reiki key in Japanese is the same as Chi in Chinese. And it's all about moving energy through our bodies, just like breathing is meditation. And so people, we get stuck in so many different ways. We get stuck mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Right. And, and so I'm getting at that stuckness, helping people release and, and kind of move forward with a lot of different tools in my toolbox, you know, at this point, like in middle age, you know, I got a lot of tools (laughs) and, um, and I use them on myself too, which is, which is nice about all these modalities is you can do most of them on yourself.
0: Yeah. I do self-reiki a lot. Um, when I'm not grounded or I'm kind of like spinning out with like not being sure about what I'm doing, I just like breathe and self-reiki and yeah, like, come back into myself. That's
1: great. Yeah. And a lot of it's, like you said, you're bringing up those trigger words, right? Like the good triggers, the being stuck is a big thing, the flow of things and getting back to yourself just to center is a, I think a thing, a common theme behind a lot of these a lot of our issues is we get off center, we get off in the coaching sessions. Like I, the first session, we always go over people's values, you know, get come up with a list of their values and people realize quickly when they feel off, they feel like poo poo. It's cause they're, they're not paying attention to their intuition, to their values. So getting back to center, no matter what your center is, like you said, is, is super important people feel like they don't know what to do. They, they, I don't want them to rely just on me. I want them to have their own self tools.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's the point. It's like they have to find what works for them or it's never gonna work for them.
1: <laughs> exactly, they're, if you tell someone to do
0: something, they're not gonna
1: to do it. Um, yeah. They have to come to that realization, yeah.
0: Yeah, reflexology is mainly foot focused or do you do all over the body?
1: So the the kind I learn, you do ears, hands, and feet, and the the feet are more sensitive than hands because we use our hands so much they get kind of calloused, literally or figuratively, um, actually more literally. Um, so if I'm doing reflexology, it's 100% it's on the feet, you know, um, and most likely I'll do the ears too. And when I first start working with someone on the table, um, and and the hands I'd say are less important, but because we are always, you know, using our computer and clicking and clacking things, people usually feel a lot of relief when you work on their hands too. Um, so there's certain points that maybe I won't do the whole the hand for 10 minutes. I'll do it for a couple minutes um, and hit certain reflex points. And in the foot, I'll do kind of the whole protocol of the foot because it really gets the whole body, all the organs and glands are mapped out on our hands, feet, and ears. So kind of, you want to go through the whole,
0: the whole meridian, like the whole
1: whole body basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was just doing a little simple math while we were talking. So (laughs) you said you started Reiki in like 2000, 2001, your Mm -hmm. son is about 12 and now we're in 2023. So Mm -hmm. you were doing this for a significant amount of time before you had a family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious about how you came into a space of wellness. A lot of times people go through some crap before they find what works for them, or some people just have like a progressive journey because of the way they grew up and stuff. So I'm curious if you'd like to share your journey into this field or into your initial meditation practice or whatever it was.
1: I've always been open to energy. I remember, um, and looking back, I remember being a kid and feeling like my hands and feet were blocks, like big cartoon blocks. I'd lie there in bed and I'd feel all this energy at the tips of my fingers and my feet. And energy was trying to move in and out, but I was young. I didn't know what the heck that that meant. And um, I was six, seven, eight, you know, um, I had an imaginary friend named Cindy and I realized several years ago that it was not, this was not imaginary. Like when your guides give you names and they, you just kind of, if you're, I'm em- empathic in, in like all the ways, a little bit of each, you know, clairvoyant, clairaudient. Like I get messages, I see things, a little bit of everything I like to say. And um, so the point is like, I, I was just, I was born that way. <laughs> Um, I was just born open to energy and meant to be a healer, but you don't, your society just sure definitely does not, you know, encourage that. Like, that's not, my dad's a doctor and like, you know, that's clearly not on the agendas for his daughter to be like a, a weird healer person. And, you know, like age seven, you're not going to be like, I'm going to be a healer. I was fascinated by medicine and all that stuff. Cause you know, why not? Well, so it goes it together.
0: It all works together.
1: It all works together. And, and yeah, you know, someone pointed out recently that your parents are healers because my dad's a doctor and my mom does um, Feldenkrais, which is a mind body movement therapy. And she did social work for years. So we are like a family of service, but I didn't really realize that until I got older, I didn't really, really know what, what Reiki was. And I had a massage from this guy who did Reiki on me. um, And I out West when we were on a ski trip and I came back and just, just follow my intuition to look up and find a teacher. The point is that it's, it wasn't like some people call it, you know, like the hero's journey. Like that's the, what is your, what has pushed you into this? And I think it was what I was meant to do, but it, it took a long time slowly for it to dawn on me. As you mentioned, I was in public health for many years and I was straddling both of them. So I think the more I was working in the 95 public health probably pushed me to, in and in kind of feeling miserable all the time. In those types of jobs, I think having those tools that I was developing, I was starting to realize like, okay, I'm really happy when I do this and I'm really not happy. Work got so bad, the universe just made me hate all my jobs. <laughs> God bless all you people I work for. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was like a slow dawning that this is so not for you. This this jobs we were doing was so soul crushing for me, even though I got into it the best of intentions, you know. In public health international public health to like help women and children and poor you know people in poverty like improve their health and i worked in reproductive health and to help give people education access to you know family planning because lord knows we have too many people in this world and when i started we had a lot less billions of people than we do now like there's like eight billion people now when i started public health work probably there were four billion people I know it's it's like doubled. It's crazy. I think part of that journey was just being so I was talking about this with a client today, like like how wrong it was for me to be in those positions of people kind of micromanaging me and telling me what to do and I would have these cool ideas and nobody would care. And it was to be honest, sad it's sad, but it's that soul crushing, slow soul crushing thing that happened to me made me realize even more how much I needed to be free and and be like The mystic and the healer because that's where like my light needed to shine in the world and it was just being dull and like bushwhacked (laughs) is the word I'm getting like in these public health jobs so I would say that journey of just um trying to find the right thing to do
0: took a a while for me were you scared in terms of like switch like to like switch careers (laughs) and like what was that like, like internally? Because you said yeah. it felt like you were being beat down, and you needed to get out of it. But also, we get comfortable in those spaces and scared of what it would look like as well to not and uh, to do this thing that, like you were saying, like you're, the weird stuff in quotations. Right. Um,
1: so, it, right. Was that yeah. Like. Yeah, it was it was scary, and like you said, when I started this, I was, you know, single, and I didn't meet my husband until I was thirty to 33, and i was already working in my first public health job out after grad school and when he met me it was i was like this independent you know nine to five woman making a salary and so it was more not to you know i'm not putting blame on on that but it's like the fear was more from that side where you know oh I'm not going to have steady income you know stay in your nine to five job that's kind of what society tells you and what he was fearful about is because that you know where your salary is coming from and when it's coming. And when you become a full-time healer, or when anyone starts a business, which is what it, it comes down to, it's it's the unknown and it's um your income is not guaranteed. That's absolutely a fear that is still kind of surrounding me, you know, but I'm know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I just kind of, you know, you're like, all right, fear not serving me, not serving anyone.
0: Yeah. I asked that too, like a little selfishly because I, you know, continue opening and creating new projects and like business things. And it's scary every time, (laughs) but it doesn't mean that it's not worth it or it doesn't feel like it's my purpose or it's what I need personally to heal and to offer to others. But there's always... Like fear (laughs) for me. So I was kind of checking in like with you and letting other people see that they're okay to being scared when they start their things. Like it's, it's the truth.
1: It's more like the fears, the fears there, but you can just, you know, that this is where you need to be. So it's more, um, Hey, if we didn't have money, you know, I would have no fear. Like nobody would be harassing me to, to make X amount of money. Including myself and my husband, because we wouldn't need it. But unfortunately, (laughs) you know, when you have a great idea and you start a business, that's what happens. Is you need to how do you start it, and you know, with what resources do you need, and all that. Yeah, all that fun stuff. But especially
0: with a especially with a child, I don't have a child, so that makes it even (laughs) a little bit more difficult.
1: It is, and it's harder. It's harder. um, I had this um, amazing uh, this guy who does soul like soul. Called them soul reading horoscopes. you know you end up talking to him two to three hours and he told me my son was when my son was maybe three or four that I had to be a healer full-time ASAP or I was gonna like miss miss my boat and I was super stressful and, and and instilled fear in me because I was like I can't you know he's three and like he's still dealing with you know preemie stuff and he's totally fine but um when you have kids, it, it does, of course, throw you through a loop. It changes your whole life.
0: How do you mind talking about what it was like? Like, how premature was he? What was that like? What kind of practices of your own were you able to use to perhaps get you through um, safely, like personally?
1: He was 11 weeks early. So it's 29 weeks, couple of days. Um, and pretty early, you know, early enough that the hospital he was born in, he had to be transferred to an, a different one because they didn't have the NICU there only started at 34 weeks. Um, wow. So that started like a little bit of the road of trauma where I was in the hospital recovering and he was in another hospital for a few days. Um, and we, my husband and I had actually taken hypnobirthing classes. It's, it's like, um, I guess, more of a holistic Lamaze type of class where you, you listen to CDs and you have these calming triggers and your your partner's supposed to, you know, do things like, you know, rub your arm to relax you and so we had been taking that that class before and when he was had the we had the emergency, you know, C-section birth my husband actually was, you know, rubbing my arm to calm me down so we did use some you know, techniques that we had learned um, to Kind of calm us down in the moment, and I did use breathing when you get the epidural, you can't you can barely breathe because it stops all feeling like from the diaphragm down almost. and it's a really weird, like almost suffocating feeling for me, it was at least. And so I used some I had to meditate and and like really breathe slowly on top of not feeling my diaphragm because that's what helps you breathe and you're used to feeling it because it was an emergency said if your son's heart rate drops too much we're going to just have to knock you out and just hack him out of you basically like no nice little you know horizontal cut we're going to just be like you know vertical cut grab him get him the hell out of you and so there was a little bit of that fear right that threat coming at me that if i didn't calm myself and him, things, bad things would happen. So I was proud of myself. I was calling on probably all my guides and spirits and like, uh, myself and breathing. My husband was freaked out, but he was, you know, massaging me on my arm. Um, which is all I I could only feel my arm anyway. And I think that that did really help. And I kept my son's heart rate stable enough that they just did a a normal emergency C-section. Um, and it all kind of happened so fast right where you you know it wasn't like I was planning to do that but but when the time came up I was I felt really calm the nurses were all like you seemed really calm and not freaked out and I was like no I was freaked out but what choice did I have you know Um, and so I think having those tools I didn't develop them of course for that moment but it they came up, they came to, uh, I use them of uh, just, just subconsciously, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, and also too, it's like you said, you didn't have the, like work those tools for that moment, but also like that is the practice. Like it is, you do learn it because of moments like that. Like yeah, people want to start, start yeah. practices. You know, it's like we pray and God, please help us. Like when things are bad. Right, yeah. it's like we sit and we do these practices so that when those things happen, you have the tools because you can't. Even with mantras, like I tell people, have a pre-made mantras because when uh-huh. shit hits the fan, like you can't create what you need at that moment. Yeah. It needs to already be there for you to grab when you need it.
1: I agree. Yeah, I, that's that's true. It's those those um. It's good to put that out there to people. It's like. Sure. Like maybe you have your daily meditation practice and, and I admit, I don't have like, I don't have a certain type of time of day where I meditate every day. I'm just, that's not me. Like I'm more of a (laughs) free for all. Like whenever the moment happens and sometimes I meditate with a cousin of mine on, you know, on the phone, but there, that stuff's in there. And so when it's like, they say, you know, couples it's with couples, it's not about if you're going to argue, it's how you argue, you know, we're always going to have fights with our, significant others and friends it's just how do you deal with it so life will give you lemons right and and how do you make the lemonade um, if you don't have the tools like to squeeze it and the sugar and the whatever um so yeah you bring up a good point that all this is just it's like learning this is maintenance for your daily life and then when this the stressors come up then we automatically can be like like you said, I have a mantra. I have a breathing technique, like the box technique you mentioned. I some clients, they're just so spinning out of in their head so much, I'm like, okay, just breathe in for four, hold and and breathe out for four, because that breathing out is what relaxes your fight or flight system, the the sympathetic, right? So if someone doesn't know how to do that, they're gonna have a lot more trouble than someone who can recall oh right okay let me just try this and pull this out of my toolbox yeah
0: yeah yeah um i'd like to ask you a little bit more about cindy (laughs) (laughs) like when you were you said around six you had a a friend you thought was imaginary but now probably was some sort of guide that was there with you that you with were able to see Um, yeah Did you ever share that with like your family, and were you ever shamed for that kind of thing, or what was it like? And what do you remember any of the messages? And is she still there? Like, (laughs) so there's a hundred questions. Yeah, hundred
1: questions (laughs) about Cindy. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not like as exciting as I wish it could be, but it, like I said, it took me until several years ago to be like, holy, you know. Um, so I grew up only child, and um, we get really good at playing by ourselves. Right. Um, and I don't remember when she appeared to me, but she was like a, a child. And what you learn when you start delving into energy, healing and spirit world and all this stuff, and is that we're a lot more attached to the spirit world when we're younger. And it usually kind of starts ending around seven or eight, there's something with seven in a lot of cultures and there's seven main body chakras. And there's something about the first year of life. We are going through the root chakra, the first chakra, we go all the way up to the seventh. And then maybe it's like, it's our choice at that point, whether we continue on that spiritual journey. So um, by the time you're like, you're eight, you've gone through all the chakras and, and then people start to lose their ability to really learn language fast, faster. We lose our connection to spiritual world, more or less, you know, so kids who are just learning to speak, like two or three year olds, there's there's a whole book of stories of kids remembering past lives. And so, like when my son was little and he started to talk, I would harass him all the time, like if see if he remembered a past life and he didn't, I was bummed out. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like come on, dude, you're my only chance. Um, <laughs> go deep, go deep. I'm like come on. So Cindy, I don't ever remember naming her right. She just told me her name is Cindy and we would just kind of play together. And I, and my parents probably just thought I was, had an imaginary friend. Like I would t- only child. So I tell my parents everything probably, you know, too much. I think they just, they accepted it because it is, it is acceptable. that A lot of kids have imaginary friends. It's a good question because maybe I should meditate on that more because I have a lot of guides and maybe she's still one, but she sort of disappeared from my life around that time you know like around 8 or 9 when you're you start to be too cool for for energy stuff and she would just like play with me and tell me things but um she sort of faded out so my my best guess because she told me her name I didn't like name her it's not like I named my barbie Cindy it was just like imaginary friend and that's what i think imaginary friends are they are like these spirits that we can see and we're open to it when we're younger um and i think she was just kind of there to keep me company. Cause it, it does get lonely when you're an only child, like sure you avoid all the drama and the fighting, but it, it can be lonely. So maybe they come in when you need them. And when you're, you're open to it, she's not in my life anymore, but now I need to, <laughs>
0: now I need to like,
1: <laughs> maybe I'll meditate on that today. Afterward, we'll yeah. keep posted.
0: Or just send yeah. her a thank you for playing with you when you needed a friend. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stories of, you know, babies, you know, they're sitting on the ground, they look up in the corner of the the wall and they start laughing and giggling at something. And it's like, they say that joy guides love appearing to babies because babies are open to it and babies love to be joyous. And then we sort of sadly lose our ability to be spontaneous and joyous. I've
0: I've never heard that word before, joy guides.
1: Yes, there's... um. This book I love that I'm recently rereading by Sonia Choquette, and it's ask your guides and she breaks down um, the different types of guides so there's different guides for different purposes um and they're just waiting for us to ask them to help us you know they're there but when you start asking them for help or, or showing you signs they start popping up the more you look for it so like runner guides those are those are great like you can ask runner guides to help you find parking spots or keys that you lost and I've been doing that more recently and they've been helping me a lot. And then you just thank them. Like you said, like, thanks for helping me. I usually start laughing and then I thank them. (laughs) Like I couldn't find my keys and I asked them to help me find it. And they don't tell you like your keys are in this box. They just like, I had left them in this um, box, UV light box that zaps UV light into things you put in it. And like weeks before I forgotten, I put my car keys in there and I was like, asked my runner guides to help me find my keys and I just kind of watered into the mud room where the keys were. And then I was like, I don't know where they are. And then I got this thought, Oh, you know, I should, I should, um, I should probably clean my glasses. My, I haven't, it was like, i almost felt like I was getting off track, you know, I'm looking for my keys. And then I get this thought in my head. I should go zap my, my glasses. So of course I opened the box to go zap my glasses and what's there my keys so they didn't they, they weren't like go to the uv box your keys are there they just i thought i was getting off track and like being add and just being like oh, i'll find my keys later and but the keys were there so it's really fun when you trust them and they they like to like surprise you and and the joy guides also they that happened actually during my son's um birth was everything was so serious right and like it's life or death. And when he came out, he was bruised and he wasn't breathing. They had to resuscitate him. But all of a sudden, my doctor's um, cell phone went off, and it was that um, the song "Oh What a Night." That song, like "Oh What a Night," "Oh What a Night," late December back in '63. And my husband and I were like, "Does someone just turn the music on? That's kind of cool." Everything was so tense in here. And his his cell phone went off. He had it like in his pocket. I don't know if my son had been extracted at this point or not. I don't know, but cause I had, you know, they have this like thing up that you can't see. And it literally just occurred to me a couple of days ago because I've been just revisiting this joy guide thing that that was probably the joy guide. So it was tense. Is part of my friend's tense is shit in there, in that room. And we all started laughing. And then every year on his birthday, we play him this song. And he's like, why are you playing this song? <laughs> so random mom and dad, but, um, that's things like that can happen. So when we're open to, you know, it's kind of cool, even though it happened 12, almost 13 years ago, I realized literally a few days ago, Oh, that was my joy guides just trying to lighten things up because we get so fearful and like tense and negative as humans. When the joy guides are like, let's have fun. Like, so babies are always giggling at random stuff, you know, dogs barking at empty corners. They, they see things too. So it's very interesting. Yeah, and I think we're off topic now, but it's very interesting.
0: No, I was asking about sending in it led into all to all that. How it conversations work? Yeah, um, <laughs> my mom and my brother. I was always the good luck parking charm. Mm. Like the, if I'm in the car, we get a good spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. me, me too. Me too. And and um, but that's probably because your runner guides were helping you, even though you didn't ask them. But try it now. Like I was running super late the other day, and I was like okay guys please get me a spot I have like 30 seconds to spare between like appointments and running around grabbing food and I ran into like this this breakfast place and I was like please get me a spot right in front there's never any spots but please just one right in front and there was a spot a couple you know a couple cards down from the main the door um and then I just laughed and smiled and was like thank you thank you and I ran in got my food ran back out and then I had to go somewhere else and I was like please no traffic please just get me there really as fast as possible, no traffic. And then after my appointment, I didn't care anymore. And I hit all this traffic. (laughs) It's like, I didn't ask for help and then traffic. So,
0: I have a funny story of just like the other day where I went to, I was flying back to Richmond. I own a business in Richmond. I currently live in Nashville. And um, the Uber got there like 15 minutes early. Um, I had gotten a new printer that was connected to my phone, but apparently not my computer. I had these really important things to print out for a mailing I was doing. And um, the printer wasn't working. Then I had to use my phone and the Uber was early and I had to put the paper in one at a time to get this thing to print. And like, I had a hundred things I was doing and I literally like, I'm usually pretty calm and can handle things. I literally was like, screamed like, why? And so, so (laughs) then I get into the Uber. Classical music, lovely ride, get to the airport. I am getting onto the airplane. And as soon as I'm about to scan my phone, I'm like, where's my purse? <gasps> And I realized I had left my purse in another part of the airport, which luckily somebody had given to the gate attendant when I was sitting in the wrong area. And I'm like, Nadia, you're not grounded. Cause when I'm not grounded, these things will happen. Like I lose my keys. I lock myself out of places. So and that hasn't happened in a while. So I was like, you're not grounded. So on the airplane, I ended up sitting next to this amazing woman, probably in her seventies. And we talked Reiki and she had already had experiences with that in her life, which was cool. And I got to do Reiki for her as well as myself. And it was like really awesome. And, um, like grounding myself. And then I was like, oh, I'm thirsty. I'm going to get my water out of my bag. Well, I go in to get my water and it had leaked all over the papers that took me forever to print and were making me like really frustrated. But I also had my computer in my bag, which was fine because I had all the papers there. And so like that 20 pieces of paper soaked up all the water. So my computer was fine. And I was literally like laughing and just like, I have no idea who to thank right now. like i have no idea what went for what in this whole entire process and it was just crazy but hilarious and i was just like who do i say thank you to (laughs) yeah
1: i think like uh, that's that's been my theme it's it is a theme of mine in in life and with a lot of us i think with you too is like humor i mean sometimes you just gotta laugh like you know we my my family and i cousins are visiting my son's at camp but we watch cocaine bear Oh God. And and no, and we had no idea what to expect. It was so gory and so, such a black comedy. I was literally like cracking up the whole time and my family's like, what is wrong with you? But it was so horribly hilarious. And sometimes you just have to laugh when things are really like stressful or, you know, um, to keep yourself feeling better. Laugh and then think, even if you don't know which guides it is, like somehow those papers were not meant to be to survive, you know, like. Right, they were there to save my computer. They are there to save computer. And and what's the learning? You know, every all this stuff that happens, the positive and and especially the negative is is where's the learning? Um, And that's where uh, sometimes you don't really know until after or you never figure it out or right in the middle of the midst of something, you're like, okay, I see what the learning is here. Um, But I think it's a good way to approach tough issues. It's like, what's the learning? How, where can I laugh? What spirits yeah. can I ask to help me?
0: <laughs> yeah, part of my learning was I'm not grounded. Yes. Yeah, I need to use these practices because I am so all over the place that I am not yeah. in touch with what I have and who I am. <laughs> yeah. Being
1: grounded is super important, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just like for our listeners, like things that can help you ground is sometimes, like sometimes I use like roots, like they're growing out of me into the ground, but if you're Mm -hmm. not a visual person, you could just have the intention to say, I am grounded and just feel what you're touching or touch your, touch your heart or your chest or, Mm -hmm. or your chair and just breathe and say, I am grounded. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the intention is even enough.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah. So I'd love to, um, touch base about your book. And then I'd love to talk about your um, free for all meditation style, or what meditation looks like for you.
1: Sure. Oh, let's start um, with the yeah. book. Oh, yeah. I have a chapter in the book. Okay. Um, so it's the whole way this 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 came about was awesome and energetic and all this stuff too. It's a series called Her Badass Stories. So I'm in this second series, and I have a chapter, and and um, it's a lot of badass women writing about traumatic experiences we've gone through. So. I'm um, chapter seven of this book. And my friend who was also in the book, we convinced them to make it purple. The first one is yellow and brown. And third one is teal, I believe. Um, So it's the story I write about is my, the trauma I went through with, with my son. Quick story, how this came about. This is like published by women, written by women, edited by women, super cool. This first one that reached out to me, it was very masculine energy and that's not a bad thing, but it was like, just not, I felt so conflicted about, I can't do this book. It just, I really want to write my story but I just cannot understand why I'm getting like this. No, 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 don't do this book, do another book. Um, and I reached out to a friend of mine who's really intuitive and she basically was like, oh my God I was just approached to do a book too but it's with these women. And it's um it was like more than half like cheaper to do it. You know, you have to put up some funds. So I ended up getting in, in alignment more of these women and meeting this great community of women so it's kind of interesting behind the book it's it's a lot of stories of women's going through trauma and like coming out into the light and all different types of people doing different things um so I'm I'm super proud to be to be in the book and like support everyone it's cool because it gives like a voice to to us we want to share our stories um and it sold really well. Like, and we, it's internationally selling internationally. And I think it's a nice way. A lot of the the writers in, in my book are Latina origin and getting those stories out that you don't normally hear from people who have gone through really tough stuff. And it's all women. Yeah. Um, after the book was published, I realized like, it's kind of cool to remember that you are so many of us are badasses. like all the stuff we've been through in life and the way we handle things. Um, and I started just reminding everybody like, Hey, you're a badass, you're a badass, you know, <laughs> and, and people like it, you know, like you, you want to once in a while be like, yeah, I'm getting shit done. I'm a badass. Like, you know, reclaiming that word. Yeah. That's my little book spiel.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's called her badass story Two is the one that Rachel is in, and we will also have a link in the bio if you guys want to support and check out women's stories of trauma and how they got through it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really awesome. Now I'd love to talk to you about your, your meditation style. You Mm -hmm. said it's kind of, you don't have a specific time, but sometimes you're on the phone doing it with someone else. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd love to hear what that's like.
1: Yeah. So I always, I always get messages from guides and stuff that I need to meditate more because I'm, I'm like, you know, if you can tell energetic and (laughs) going around all over the place it's always been there for me I mean at least since the late 90s right or um I'd say early 2000s for sure that I need to meditate more for my soul's path for my journey like just need to it just calms me it centers me it grounds me and you know as I started to get more into the healer the healer biz as we say um because we don't say um (laughs) somebody says I don't know. Cindy says, <laughs> "Showbiz, yes." Yeah, Cindy told me. <laughs> Let's blame it on Cindy. I'm sure I'll hear from her tonight. Now
0: I, I probably will
1: too. I'll text you, you. Will, right? She'll be like, hey, "Cindy's here." <laughs> I know that it's good for me. I've known for you know 20 plus years that meditation is good for me, and I've always I've known what it is. Like I said, I was into like whatever you can throw at me. Some weird massage, sure. Give me this. Give me that. I'd say around 13, we started to travel more, so I started to like open my eyes to the world and see stuff's out there. And you, you know, as that opens you up, you start to realize, okay, not everything's like I have to travel to, there's also some cool stuff going on in my, in my body or my energy field. Um, so again, I don't have like a regular meditation practice, um, but what I, I think a good thing that I've learned over the years that I tell people is meditation is not about, you know, setting aside an hour, of pure, peaceful bliss for yourself every day. Like that's just not possible for most people I know, um, especially middle-aged, busy parents that I work with. So let's be realistic. Like, uh, you know, maybe it's five minutes here, maybe it's 10 minutes here. So I will um, I downloaded a while ago, maybe a couple of years ago, the Calm app. And then during COVID, um, like I said, I started meditating. Well, I meditate sometimes with my cousin. And we actually did, I think Oprah teamed up with Deepak or something and Mr. Deepak Chopra. And we did like this 21 day meditation thing with he he and his brother and I, the three of us during COVID cause we couldn't leave our house, our homes. You know, we were, we we did it very faithfully for 21 days. And it was really cool um, because my, my other cousin he's not like a big meditator um, and but it was really cool to see the progression. And that's probably the only time that I've really done it the same time every day, every day for 21 days. And then my other cousin, I just continued after that virtually. And now once in a while, like he's traveling all around the world all the time for, for work. So he comes back, he'll be like, okay, I'm back from Ecuador. Um, Let's meditate for 10 minutes, you know, and, and even that is just, it's okay if people just have five, 10 minutes, just, put on the calm act, find some YouTube channel. So again, like my, my practice is very simple. I would say it just, I can lie down and five minutes, 10 minutes, just re regroup, reground. I think it's good for people to have, to start off if they haven't like to do it regularly and just get in that mode. Um, Like I tell my Reiki students, learn the rules so you can break, then you can break them, you know, like, do what i'm teaching you with reiki steps you know going down the chakras and then when you get more comfortable with your energy field and your client's energy field you can you can break the rules so i don't know if you agree with that about meditation but get like some sort of consistency going so that when you go do do it your your system is like oh i know what this is it doesn't take me as long now to regroup to recenter and calm myself because I just know it just works now. You know, does that make sense? It does, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone has to find what works for them, you know, yeah. and I'm just familiar now with, with my system and how I am. And I know when I'm, like you said, I, you weren't grounded, even though I don't have that regular meditation practice. For me, actually, when I work on clients, it's very calming and like, I feel good after I work on people, you know, like, cause Reiki, as you know, it's, it's we're not using our own energy. We're just channeling. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and as it so, goes through you, it you also get beautiful effects.
1: Exactly. And Kinda people cool. are like, how did you, I'm so sorry, I'm bringing all this stuff to you. And, you know, I'm, you know, I hope you don't take on all my energy. And I'm like, no, it's good. I actually feel fine or even better after I work on you. And, and um, I think that's at this point in my life, like, uh, I have different ways of grounding myself of either working on people or I have um, the infrared mat, um, the biomat what this brand is called and it has um, coils infrared coils and I and I just lie down on that every day and it takes me wake myself up snoring I'm like you know I hear snoring I just pass out and it it's super you know I go somewhere and then I come back so for me I can't live without my biomat that's for sure yes
0: yeah, so that's part of your practice <laughs> exactly grounding. yeah
1: yeah and I teach this which we will be doing the wholeness exercise I learned from my Reiki teacher I teach it to a lot of students, like my Reiki students. Um, when I'm doing my package, which is the the coaching and the healing, which is called Bring on the Balance, when I do the, or Bob, as somebody pointed out, um, when I'm doing the Bob, Bring on the Balance, I oftentimes bring up the wholeness exercise because it is actually visualizing that you have roots and that you have branches and you're like a tree, you're connected to to source and the heart. So it it's like a, a reconnection that, I love teaching to people because then I'm also doing it and I'm also experiencing, it's easy. You can do it for five minutes. You can do it for 30 minutes. You can look at the mandala that my teacher drew from staring at a candle to staring at a mandala to just closing your eyes and just pushing negative thoughts out. People think they have to just to meditate, like have some sort of sterile space where no, there's no noise, total peacefulness. And I don't think it's true, right? Like you said, you did it in the middle of spin class. Yeah. Um, you know, I basically did like a meditation in the middle of my son's birth, right? Because I was like, if I don't calm down and breathe right now, shit's gonna hit the fan. So it's like there's so many scenarios where you need it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like it, it ebbs and flows, and it involves involves other people sometimes, which is really cool because I know meditation can get deeper when you're with mm-hmm. someone else. And, and same for me on days that I'm like leading meditations, like mm-hmm. for one or multiple people, that kind of counts as my meditation. Yes, because it's like you, you have the same experience as when you're leading. And it's also a beautiful gift for yeah. me to offer. So I think you're going to be leading the wholeness exercise as your meditation that you're guiding today. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I had one more question. Your Bob and your other probably not reflexology, but your coaching and your Reiki, are those things available for people to check you out via zoom if they're anywhere, or do they need to be in person?
1: I do both. I can coach life coach, um, and send Reiki to anyone, anywhere. Um, I've had clients recently in Serbia, the West coast, as you know, the Reiki energy goes where it needs to go. Yeah. So I, the bring on the, bring on the balance program is virtual online or in person.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It'll be on the show notes, but uh, tell us your website if people are more audible.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, my business is Integrated Healing Vibes and that's, so it's www.integrated, T-E-D, Integrated Healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, Vibes, V-I-B-E-S. And all my information's on there, email, phone number,
0: Great. Well, all that stuff will be available for you guys just to click in the show notes. We're going to take a little break. I hope you come back for the next episode, which will be Rachel leading a wholeness exercise of a guided meditation for us all. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having you here and you taking the time to do this with me today. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you stick around for the meditation on the next episode. If you're interested in wellness coaching through a meditative lens or starting your own meditation practice with accountability, check out the meditationward.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at the and please like review us and share with your friends. See you soon.